Chapter 24 of Links in Rebecca's Life by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 24 Being All Things to All Men. The carriage which Mrs. Allinson Edwards habitually made use of when she did not ride with her son was a very handsome one, and the toilet which seemed to her absolutely necessary in order to be ready for calls was entirely in keeping with the carriage. Altogether, Rebecca felt as she sat opposite her handsome mother in law and rolled through the pretty streets of the city, that they were about to astonish the Collins and Peck neighborhood, to say nothing of that neat little house near her own mother's where John Milton lived. She could not rise above a sense of embarrassment, and an eager wish that Frank were along to help them through with his easy gaiety. "'Do you know the Pecks at all?' Mrs. Edwards asked, as the coachman followed his directions and turned into the narrow, quiet street. "'Not at all,' Rebecca answered, and she felt a glow of shame. They had been members for years of the same church with herself. What right had she ever to have sneered at Mrs. Edwards's aristocratic notions? Well, never mind, the elder lady said. I dare say we can make ourselves known to them. And Rebecca wondered how, and felt exceedingly uncomfortable. She had yet to learn all the resources of her mother-in-law. Miss Fanny Peck answered the ring, and it was the pleasantest voice in the world that said, How do you do, my dear? Is your mother in, and will you ask her if she will see Mrs. Edwards and her daughter for a few minutes? It transpired, too, that, though Mrs. Peck did fine ironing for several people, she knew how to conduct herself in an entirely respectable manner, and when she came into the neat rag-carpeted sitting-room with her neat calico dress and plain linen collar she looked every inch a lady. To be sure, she supposed that it was something about fine ironing that had stopped the carriage at her door, so she bowed respectfully and waited. Rebecca, who knew she was a very nice ironer, wished in her secret heart that they had come for the purpose of getting twenty tucked shirts done up, to avoid the horrible sense of embarrassment that she felt. It appeared that Mrs. Edwards Sr. felt nothing of the kind. She arose with promptness and cordially held out her hand and said, "'My daughter, Mrs. Frank Edwards, Mrs. Peck, we have concluded that it is time we knew each other. We are members of the same church and meet every Sunday. It is high time we shook hands and remembered that we are sisters. We have come to make a social call.' Then, indeed, was Mrs. Peck embarrassed. Her sallow face flushed, and she looked in bewilderment from one well-dressed lady to the other, and knew not what to say. Rebecca looked on, and gradually forgot her own embarrassment in listening to the mother-in-law, and realized that she only half knew her. How gracious and winning she was! Topics for conversation she found, certainly, and by some instinct seemed to hit on those with which Mrs. Peck was familiar, and about which she could talk. It was really becoming an interesting conversation." Perfectly frank Mrs. Edwards was also. She did not ignore the fact that she had been a resident of the same city and a member of the same church with Mrs. Peck for seventeen years. She frankly admitted that her views and feelings had changed in regard to many things during the last few months, and she had concluded that she wanted to know her sisters in the church. And the heartiness with which she said it, and indeed her entire manner during the call, left its impression of sincerity. Rebecca began to realize that her mother knew how to make calls. They drove at once to Mr. Collins's. Rebecca remembered to have noticed his wife in the prayer-meeting, and remarked the heartiness with which she sang. She received them at the door herself, knew them both, and ushered them into her neat kitchen with the simple explanation that they did not have any fire in the sitting-room until after school when the children got home. Here, too, Mrs. Edwards introduced her daughter. "'I know her,' Mrs. Collins said, holding her hand in great, strong, motherly ones. "'I saw her young, pretty face as soon as it came into your pew, Mrs. Edwards, and I couldn't help watching the young things playing at life.' You haven't got far enough along to know that it isn't all play yet, maybe. Indeed I have, said Rebecca earnestly, relieved of her embarrassed feelings at once by having her mind called back to the solemn ordeal of life through which she had so recently passed. I have come very close to the valley of death, Mrs. Collins. Ah, yes, said Mrs. Collins, I remember. 
Well, did his rod and staff comfort you? For I take it that we need more comfort when it is our dear one who is passing rather than ourselves. Did you claim the promise, my child? And did he keep his word? I did, said Rebecca, with the tone of one who was signing a covenant. I did, indeed, and his promise is sure. Thank the Lord, said Mrs. Collins, and then the talk went on, lifted above the commonplaces of foolish embarrassment. Indeed, Mrs. Collins had no idea of such a feeling. She was one of the Lord's children, and here were other children of the same father come to see her, and it was a pleasure for her to talk with them. The senior Mrs. Edwards's manner was perfect. The slight perceptible touch of condescension that Rebecca had detected in her talk with Mrs. Peck entirely disappeared, and in its place there was respect, not unmingled with awe. She had climbed high enough herself to recognize the fact that here was one who had gotten among the very mountains of trust and love. The result was that she bowed before her. "'It is shameful never to have known her before,' she said, almost in indignation, to Rebecca, as they bade each other a cordial good-bye and drove away. "'Why, she is one of the saints. I really enjoyed her, and that is certainly what I am able to say of very few of my friends. I mean to have some friends after this whom I can enjoy.' And she sat back among the cushions with the air of one who began to realize that there were sources of enjoyment that she had not dreamed of before. The call on Mrs. Milton bade fair to be the least comfortable one of the afternoon, and Rebecca, who had been taken along to lessen the embarrassment, had an uncomfortable feeling that she was the producing cause of much of it. She had such vivid memories of having sat so often in that stuffy little sitting-room that smelled of buckwheat and sausage, sat there on entirely a level with Mrs. Milton and her surroundings, and Mrs. Milton at least was now so uncomfortably aware of changes, and felt the necessity for making so many apologies and yet was so constantly lapsing into forgetfulness and calling her Rebecca, and then flushing into consciousness and begging her pardon, that Rebecca was ready to fly in her confusion over this unprepossessing appearance of one of her old friends. Also, Mrs. Milton was stiff. She fully realized the fact that Rebecca married had not been the neighborly creature that Rebecca Harlow used to be, and without understanding in the least all of the numberless reasons why this would have been impossible, she laid it all at the door of pride, and was disposed in a solemn kind of way to resent it. She was also not disposed to be condescended to, and, if I may be pardoned in the use of a very rough and at the same time expressive word, she was guilty of almost snubbing Mrs. Edwards. However, a diversion to her thoughts occurred in the shape of the invalid daughter, who was as fair as a snowdrop and as frail and as pretty as ever. Mrs. Edwards's sympathies were immediately enlisted. She devoted herself to the pretty invalid in such a tender and sympathetic way that the mother sensibly thought under it. Was she able to ride? she questioned. "'Oh, yes,' Mrs. Milton said, "'but it wasn't often she got a chance. John was so very busy, hardly ever able to go out with her in the daytime, and of course it was out of the question that she should go out at night, and as for her father he knew nothing about driving and was not to be thought of anyway.' Mrs. Edwards looked at her daughter. "'Here is a chance for you to have company, Rebecca. I am sure she would not be afraid to ride after our horses, and the driver is perfectly reliable. You could often come for her on a bright day, couldn't you?' Rebecca, with shining eyes, declared with heartiness that she could. Why had it not occurred to Mrs. Allinson Edwards to offer her such a delicious bit of enjoyment as that before? Could it be it was because she had never thought of it, or realized that there were people who could not have a ride, by simply ordering the carriage? Possibly it was because Rebecca, taking it for granted that she was too proud to make such use of her wealth, had never asked the favor. Still, there was another reason. Certainly, Mrs. Edwards was changed. The suggestion of the ride was a happy one. It thawed every vestige of distrust or coldness out of Mrs. Milton's motherly heart. She became genial and communicative and sensible. And Rebecca rode away from her door with visions of pleasant hours in the future dancing before her eyes. Mrs. Edwards's most masterly stroke of genius was reserved to the last hours of that eventful afternoon. 
Two more calls they made upon those doubtful people who did not know just what their position was, but who stood much better chances of finding out now that Mrs. Edwards's carriage had halted for fifteen minutes before their doors. Then that lady looked at her watch. "'It is almost time for us to drive around and take up Frank,' she said. "'Do you think, Rebecca, that we would have time to stop a minute at your mother's? Not for a formal call, of course, but just to run in?' Now was not that a graceful way to put it? Be it known to you that Mrs. Allenson Edwards had never yet taken her aristocratic self to the Harlow homestead since the time that she had partaken in a dignified manner of the wedding breakfast. Even her former dulled conscience had reproached her in regard to this, and she had intended at some time to go in state and call, but the time had never come, and Rebecca, while she was indignant over it, yet rejoiced in the sense of freedom with which she went and came, and in the royal way in which her husband treated his relatives, and decided that Mrs. Edwards was at liberty to do as she pleased. Still, it was certainly very pleasant to hear herself ask that question in exactly the tone that Mrs. Edwards would have used had she been in the habit of running in familiarly at Mrs. Harlow's side door all the days of her life. Mother Harlow bustled out eagerly to greet her daughter. It was very nice to see her alight from such a carriage as that. The mother enjoyed it, even though she was ignored by the grand relations. She paused when she saw the older woman getting out, somewhat in doubt as to what to do next. Mrs. Edwards didn't leave her in doubt. "'We have just stopped for a minute,' she said, holding out her hand cordially, "'because I knew this child wouldn't want to go home without a peep at mother. She has been doing penance all the afternoon making calls with me. This is her reward.' And the mother-in-law gave to her an unmistakably loving smile. Rebecca's heart beat high. Many blessings were certainly being added to her lot. Her mother was a woman of strong good sense and refinement of heart and feeling, else she could hardly have brought up such a daughter as Rebecca. It was not difficult for Mrs. Edwards, bent on being pleasant and cordial, to find subjects for conversation, and Mrs. Harlow sustained her part very well indeed. "'Oh, I had a little business,' Mrs. Edwards said as they arose to leave. "'I had almost forgotten we are making Christmas plans. I like to be early. We want you to come to dinner. Very socially, you know, nothing formal about it. We want a family gathering. I will drop in again or send Rebecca to tell you more about it, but I don't want you to make any other arrangements. You mustn't disappoint us. I meant to keep it as a sort of surprise for Rebecca and Frank, but I have concluded that I cannot get ready without her help and so have had to take her into confidence. I find I need her help about most things in these days." "'She is a helpful child,' Mother Harlow said proudly, her face flushed all over in the excess of her warm mother-love. "'That she is,' Mrs. Edwards answered heartily. "'And she is in a great flutter, I dare say, to go for her husband. Rebecca, we must hasten or we shall miss him.' "'We have had the most remarkable afternoon that ever was known,' Rebecca explained to her husband when they were in the privacy of her own room. "'I can't think what has happened to your mother. You certainly wouldn't have known her. We have been out calling on wonderful people, the Pecks and the Collinses and the Martins, and she had been as gracious as a queen. What do you suppose can have started her?' "'I am not sure that she would have appeared so strange to me as she did to you,' he said with feeling. "'I used to know her when she had more of that spirit.' When I was a little boy I have distinct memories of visits that she used to pay with my father. They were different from anything that she has done since he died. My father was a grand man, Rebecca. I think it may be the remembrance of his spirit that has helped her in these few efforts. The producing cause, however, is doubtless the quickening of her Christian life. Grace in the heart makes great changes in the life, you know." At the dinner-table Mrs. Edwards herself spoke of their afternoon's employment. "'It is strange,' she said, "'how long one's influence may last. Last night I was reading over an old letter of your father's, Frank. It was a sort of journal letter which he used to keep for me years ago when we were young. In it he speaks of feeling greatly disturbed because he realized that there were brethren and sisters of the church whom he didn't know by name. I wonder, he said, how I should feel if I should go to heaven and meet one of those whom I ought to have known in the church on earth, 
and the Lord should see that we were strangers. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It just haunted me all night. I resolved to try to know more people. I am old to begin, but I shall try for it. Frank looked at his wife with a significant smile. You and I would do well to take lessons of mother, would we not? Did you know those people on whom you called today? Never spoke to them in my life, answered Rebecca promptly. I am ashamed of it. End of chapter 24